0: Hello and welcome to the latest Plain Talking podcast. This edition has a distinctly regal air. We'll be exploring the Queen's faith as she celebrates her Platinum Jubilee. And since she has been a great champion of the Bible, we'll be looking at a remarkable new edition of the Scriptures. And finally, the Reverend Peter Slee will take us on a journey to a village called Emmaus. Catherine Butcher is a prolific writer who has recently authored a book called Our Faithful Queen. It's a beautifully produced publication that helps readers understand more of the Queen's private and public faith. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Butcher, uh, who has authored a new book called Our Faithful Queen. And it's a 64 page pictorial guide to the Queen's reign over the last 70 years uh, of her life and for many of our lives. I think I read recently that something like 89% of the British population has known the Queen as monarch, which is an extraordinary statistic when you think about it. But Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Um, And I guess to start with, I wonder if you could tell us why you wrote this book in the first place?
1: Well, my interest in all things royal began when I took the children to see the crown jewels at the Tower of London. And I just noticed how many crosses there are on everything. And so then I began to listen more carefully to the Queen's Christmas broadcasts and realized that she speaks regularly about Jesus Christ and her faith in a really natural way. And then uh, when it got to the Golden Jubilee, a group of friends made a uh, a replica crown from an old tin biscuit tin, one of those big quality street ones, other chocolates are available. And um, and then we had a cloak made from a curtain and we had a, a scepter and we took it round local schools and we explained to them the significance of the coronation. And that was the golden jubilee. And then the diamond jubilee, I was working for hope together by then and produced a little book that explains this in a visual form. And we also produced a New Testament that uh, they used some of my material at the beginning of that New Testament, and uh, about 75,000 copies of that New Testament were given away by churches as they sought to bring their communities together to celebrate uh, the Diamond Jubilee. And then when it came to the Queen's 90th birthday, Mark Green from LICC and myself and also Bible Society we got together to produce the book, The Servant Queen and The King She Serves. And amazingly, the Queen agreed to write the forward to that book. So I've done a lot of research and I've obviously kept in touch with anything royal. And I've read most of the books that are published about her. And I've got a dear friend who does me cuttings from newspapers about the Queen. So I am saturated with Queen information. And when it came to the, the celebrations of the Platinum Jubilee, I thought, What can we say that's different? Because everyone's talking about her horses, her hats, and lots of different aspects of her life. What can be different? And I came across this little book called uh, um, The Little Book of Private Devotions for the Queen's Coronation. Only six copies were printed in the world, and they were written by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Geoffrey Fisher, to prepare the Queen for her coronation. And this this takes us from the beginning of May in the months before she was crowned, right through with daily devotional readings, Bible readings, prayers, and devotional thoughts that helped to unpack the symbolism of the coronation. And I was thrilled to discover that we were celebrating this year, the Platinum Jubilee, ending on Pentecost Sunday. And this little book of private devotions really focuses on the significance of the anointing. And so I thought, wow, this is amazing, but how do I make this, book that was written in the, uh, you know, in the 1950s with these and those language and very archaic expressions. How do I make this accessible to the, to the average reader today, who's is million miles from that kind of language. So we put lots of pictures in, Uh, yes, they take us right from her. uh, I think the first picture of her is as a two year old, right through to uh, this last year, when uh, she mourned the death of her husband and so pictures tell a story so even if nobody reads the words they can see the pictures but we also be- began to unpack the story so i pulled some quotes from this little book of private devotions i modernized the language from the bible readings so that they're in the new international version and then i quoted some of the prayers as they were said by the queen as she prepared for the coronation And and explained some of the significance of of anointing. That's what makes the difference because during the coronation, the queen is anointed. And at that moment, it's a hidden ceremony. It's when the cameras weren't allowed to film and the queen is hidden under a canopy. She removes her jewels. She's wearing a simple white dress and the devotions talk about her coming to God in her own person as an ordinary woman as any of us as Christians would come to God and God anoints her with his Holy Spirit. He empowers her for the the work of service that she has continued to do for these last 70 years. And so I've tried to explain that in this little book in language that average people can understand and to help churches have something to give away, to have a conversation that is different from all the other conversations that will be going on. So we've made this little book available for a pound a copy if you buy 50 or more. Uh, So lots of churches have been buying them, churches in other parts of the world as well. And to help churches to celebrate, we've also commissioned an anthem called Rise Up and Serve. And that's now available on our website, theplatinumjubilee.com, so that churches can sing the song, they can give the book and they can have a party, invite people to come and celebrate the Queen's 70 years of faith and service. And so that we can honour that service, we've produced uh, a list of 70 different acts of service that you can do from something really basic like write a thank you letter to run a shoe shine stall in your local street. Um, so we've tried to do a song, something to do, something to say, something to give. So that churches can bring their communities together and celebrate not just the the service of the queen but her Christian faith.
0: There's such a lot you've been doing. I think you were explaining the significance uh, of the the coronation and that part of the anointing. And as you were talking, my mind went to those kind of grainy black and white images um, of of that event. And for those of us who watched the Crown, I can remember the uh, the episode on Netflix where that is gone into in some some detail. But Catherine, the the book is called Our Faithful Queen, and I'm guessing there's a play on words in terms of a faithfulness, in terms of service, but also uh, faithfulness as a spiritual quality uh, of the Queen. I wonder um, if you'd like to unpack that, what you know, you explained a little bit there in terms of her own devotions leading up uh, to her own coronation. But I wonder in terms of uh, for most of us, if if we're uh, w- well, whether we're royalists or not, if we listen to the Queen's speech or, or parts of it each Christmas, um, there there is generally a reference, several references that she will make to her faith or to the Bible or to Jesus. What do you what do you understand of her own um, spiritual pilgrimage, if you like, as a as a Christian believer?
1: Well, those people who watch The Crown um, have got a lot of uh, untruths as part of that story, but one of the stories in that um, is that, that Dr. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, visit, visited the Queen and preached several times at uh, the chapels where the Queen um, worships. Of course, she worships every week. We see her in ceremony occasions, big cathedrals, but actually she's there week in, week out, in COVID, uh, worshipping privately in her own chapel so throughout the years there have been incidences when the queen has uh, had some input perhaps from people like that but right from childhood she was someone who was read bible stories regularly her own mother the queen mother was someone who subscribed to bible reading notes from the bible reading fellowship and when the queen started her education. She and her sister Margaret spent the first half hour of every week reading scripture. That was their first lesson and the Queen Mother taught her prayers. Of course, the Queen Mother was Scottish and taught her prayers from the Scottish Psalter and so prayers were part of her life and Bible reading has been part of her life. She said to keep a well-read Bible by her bedside and She frequently refers to her face um, when she gives her broadcasts to the Commonwealth. She writes that speech herself. Most of the speeches she's given to read, but that one she writes herself. And it's often very personal in the way she speaks of Jesus as an an inspiration, a role model, an anchor in her life. And she makes reference to the circumstances of his birth and his death and his resurrection. So she's someone who, who speaks naturally about her faith, and has talked about the prayers that we pray for her. She invited us to pray for her in one of her first broadcasts to the nation. She, she thanked the nation for their prayers. So she's someone who, who is practical in, in her faith as well. She seeks out opportunities to, um, to do small acts of service. And in the book, we, we pull out one or two of those because she's someone who is private, very private, but also has to be very public. And in her private observance, she's a regular, faithful worshipper. And in her public service, she's been faithful to us as uh, her nation and also as part of the Commonwealth.
0: Then I can hear in your voice the, the, the enthusiasm, the passion, uh, the interest. For, the, for people listening who um, just may have a, may be disinterested, in the Royal family or, 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 may have a different kind of, uh, outlook, um, on the, the nation's political future. What, what do you think for, for, everyone now, um, Royalists or others, what can we, what is it that we can glean that we can, we can learn from this queen, um, that will inspire and, and in many ways motivate us all in our own faith.
1: Well, Republican or Royalists. Uh, a person of faith or a person of no faith. The Queen is an example of someone who has served. She has set aside her own uh, preferences and she has served the nation for 70 years. She probably would have preferred to have been a, a country gentlewoman looking after horses, dogs, and a farm. And instead, she's been propelled into the limelight and has had to um, she's had to wear clothes that make her stand out. When actually she might prefer a headscarf and a bit of a tweed jacket. Uh, She's had to attend events and speak to people when perhaps she might have been a more private person. So anyone should be able to recognize that this person has has served us. Yes, people say she's very rich, but they're not her riches. And actually, I think a long time ago, we learned that she has her cereal from Tupperware boxes. And so She's not someone who's ostentatious, but of course she has the wealth of of the monarchy at her fingertips and his, and that is available. But she's someone who has continued to read her red boxes daily and has it's, as it says in the little book of private devotions that uh, this is a responsibility that she accepts until her dying day. So those people who think that uh, she might abdicate, I very much doubt it. <laughs>
0: Throughout her reign, the Queen has consistently referenced the Bible, especially during her address to the Commonwealth on Christmas Day. So it's very fitting that we turn our attention now to a pioneering new edition of the Bible, published by an organization of which she is a patron. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by Jack Imbert Terry, who works with the Bible Society. And I'm talking to Jack because Bible Society in association with a number of other organizations, has produced um what can only be described as a as a a whopping new edition of the Bible. I think I'd go so as far to say it's the it's the biggest one I've ever seen in the modern era. Um it's it's huge. It's different on all kinds of levels. It's wiped clean so um it's a family edition of the Bible. So if any little grubby fingers or someone spills coffee or wine on it, it can come off easily. It's chopped full with games and exercises and it's stuff with the Bible and the format is different as well. So you have to read this Bible. Um, you have to turn it over into landscape format to read it as far as I can see. So in, in, in every respect, this is a very different edition of the Bible. And since this podcast particularly is, um, celebrating the queen's Jubilee and the queen her Majesty the Queen is a patron of the Bible Society and she's been pretty upfront about her love of the Bible and quotes the Bible regularly in many, various speeches. It seems appropriate, Jack, that we should come to you um, and this just <laughs> extraordinary new edition of the Bible that you've, you've brought out. So I, I wonder if you could just, uh, for our listeners, explain a bit more th- th- than I just, just have.
2: I'm delighted to thank you i think um you're yeah first of all you're, you're absolutely right this is a very very large bible um and there's very good reason for that because there is a huge amount uh, of content and I th- uh, you know i think you've touched on it that we it's very different from anything that's out there um we really have tried to sort of reimagine what a family bible is and how it can be used because i think you know We're all sort of uh, probably guilty of when we think about what a family Bible is. Our minds probably all go to that sort of very old-fashioned, archaic, (laughs) heirloom Bible, probably very nicely presented, leather-bound, very dusty, sitting on a shelf. No one's engaging in it, and heaven forbid you touch it or or draw on it or or write on it. Um, And we really wanted to change that. Um, We really wanted to create a Bible um, that actually becomes, uh, you know, that is at the heart of family life. That is, that is put at the center of a family's life. Um, and, and this was something that we produced in partnership, um, the Bible itself with you for Christ, uh, who we've worked with previously, uh, to produce the good news Bible youth edition, uh, you know, we're, we're exceptionally good friends with you for Christ. They are a, a fantastic organization. And, you know, there was such obvious alignment in terms of values and vision and you know, when we started talking about this family Bible and what we wanted it to do um, and the impact we wanted it to have, there was just this sense that this was the start of something incredibly special. Um, and so uh, it's, it's taken a long time uh, to, to get it prepared. Uh, a huge amount of work has gone into it. Um, you know, this like I said, this isn't about necessarily recycling sort of previous ideas and material. This is about looking at, so what, what are the challenges that a family might face? Uh, in terms of engaging in the Bible together and how do we overcome those? Um, and that's led the design. It's all a bit about how do we best serve a family in actually engaging in the Bible together.
0: Well, it's a beautiful looking piece of work. Um, and, it, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a substantial piece of work because there are, as well as the actual um, the Bible text, you, there, there's so many other resources. This, I'm, I'm assuming this must have taken a long time uh, to pull together
2: absolutely i mean we the, the conversations for it actually were taking place whilst we were working with you for christ on the good news bible youth edition um you know we we were sort of midway through that project and um you know saying to ourselves it feels like we work really well together and it feels like we don't want this to be the end we'd like to carry on you know we, we we're onto something here we've got a good formula um I think in terms of actually starting the project and design it, you're probably looking at about three years of, of work from, from actually starting the project formally, uh, to sending it off to print. Um, so a, a good sort of three years worth of work, um, plus um, a whole load of research in advance of that. So yeah, it's, it, it, this is actually. We have to sort of, um, give a lot of credit to you for Christ, uh, because they've working with them has really fundamentally changed how we uh work as publishers um you know there's there's a lot of uh people producing excellent bibles um in a variety of different formats colors shapes and finishes um and we've kind of steered away from that um we're very much focused now on the impact of what we're producing. How can we have as much impact as possible, positive impact with the Bibles we're producing? How can we make them as targeted as possible? Um, and when you start being led by the audience that you're actually creating content for, you are inevitably opening yourself up to a significant amount of work, because if you don't do the research, if you don't listen to the people that you're trying to serve, um, then, you know, it's, it's work for you, um, but it does mean that these are, we are now taking on these very large projects. You know, we're talking, looking at years of commitment to sort of get to an end point. Um, and yeah, they are very, very labor intensive, uh, to do, but it, it, it's, it's difficult to quantify just how impactful this Bible could be for people. Um, and you know, our, our, our vision and, uh, you know, our, our hopes for this is that this is going to be part of a significant change that is actually already happening. Uh, in terms of the the church recognizing and and people in general recognizing that actually spending time together, engaging in the Bible and having faith talk at home is a fundamentally important part of sort of strengthening your faith together as a family. Um, But there's a lot of barriers to overcome. um, And that was really what we set out to do. It's probably why no one has done this before, because actually, when you look at it, it's a really, really tall task to try and achieve.
0: And finally, the Reverend Peter Slee asks a question that echoes down the corridors of time.
3: For this month's epilogue, I'd like to share with you some thoughts around the question, do you recognise Jesus? This comes to me each Eastertide as I reflect on the various stories, but particularly the story of the two walking, as recorded by St. Luke in his Gospel, chapter 24. Two walking despondent, sad, confused, perhaps even distraught, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, those seven miles uh, journey, joined by a stranger on the road who asks them why they're sad, to which they respond, are you a visitor to Jerusalem, don't know what's happened? And then his response, explaining, all the scriptures in the Old Testament that foretold what would happen and why he would come and what would indeed be his end. But they still fail to recognize him. They see a man. They don't know who he is, a stranger. They hear a man speaking with authority and with great uh, skill. They do not recognize him unless they reach their destination, invite him into their home and, as any good Jewish host would do, offer supper. He then takes the place of the host, taking the bread, giving thanks. And we read, he broke it and as he gave it to them, their eyes were opened and they recognised him. What was it? Was it the way he spoke? Was it as he said that familiar prayer that they recognised him? Was it as he broke the bread, the way he broke it? Or was it as he handed that bread to them? They saw the scars. In his wrists, from the nails, but their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and of course, their response was quite an incredible response. They didn't just sit there and say, "Hey, this is great," but they at once started out back down those seven miles to Jerusalem to share the news with all the other friends who were also wondering, "Well, come with me to the garden earlier that day, where Mary herself ready to do what she needed to do for Jesus to embalm him with those spices with the other women. And her sadness, distress, as she discovers that the body is not there, that she cannot do what she came to do. And this man, person, being, asking her the question, Woman, why are you crying? Saying they have taken my lord away. I don't know where they put him. And turning, she sees somebody standing there. She fails to recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. And she said, Well, if you carried away his body, tell me where it is so that I may go to him. She fails to recognise Jesus until he speaks her name, Mary, and immediately she also recognises him. I wonder what it is in your life that has enabled you to recognise Jesus, or maybe you also, like some of the characters in the Gospel story, have yet to recognise him. Perhaps you have seen, perhaps you have heard, perhaps you have been told, and yet you do not recognise Jesus. In this season between Easter and Pentecost. We all should reflect on our own place, whether we are ready, those who know Jesus, or whether we are those who are seeking him, or whether we are those who just don't know what to think, and like Thomas may be full of doubt. I pray that this may be a question that you'll be able to answer. Do you recognise Jesus? that you'll be able to say, yes, I do. I see him around me. I see him in the faces. I hear him in the voices of those to whom I speak, those who speak with me. I see him in the situations of horror and of desperation, and I see him in the places of comfort and of strength. May you recognise Jesus. And may you be those who maybe will help others to recognise Jesus too, his love, his care, his humility, his passion, his readiness to give everything for others. God bless you.
0: Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Please listen out for the next edition of Plain Talking in a few weeks' time. Plain Talking is produced by the Plain Truth magazine, a magazine of understanding. For further information, please visit www.plain-truth.org.uk. Thank you and God bless until we meet again.